Brutally Speaking podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. For over 30 years, Rockabilia has been the go-to destination for all things band merch. With over 500,000 items in their online store and collaborations with today's hottest bands, you're sure to find something you love. Use our code BREW10 at checkout and take 10% off your total order. So go pick up your favorite new piece of merch now over at rockabilia.com. Now, on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Mike from Darkest Hour. Uh, This was a fun but quick chat, uh, taken and done uh, during my lunch break, uh, but also uh, was in the middle of a press junket for Mike. Uh, So in light of last week's uh, epic, like, three-hour-long episode, uh, this is something a little bit more bite-sized to get you through the week and prepare you uh, for the record. uh, Darkest Hour have a new record, Perpetual Terminal. It is out this Friday as of when this episode drops, uh, February 23rd, uh, so go pick it up. Uh, If you have been enjoying the singles, I think you are going to really enjoy the rest of this record. Um, Darkest Hour is one of those bands that I think if you are a fan of... I think what most people would assume this this podcast is predominantly uh, metal, hardcore, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know how you don't have Darkest Hour in kind of your bands, bands type band uh, list. You know, someone and a group of guys uh, that have just been around for, for so long. I mean, I think next year will be the 30th anniversary of the band. I think they started in 95, if memory serves. And I mean, to, to carve out a career that long, uh, you, I mean, you, a, a few things can be said. I think you have to be, uh, good dudes. I don't think you could sustain a career, uh, that long if you were just shitty people to tour with, uh, shitty to your bandmates and so forth. And I think the other part of that is I, I think honestly, it speaks to the quality of music that they have been putting out consistently, uh, for a very long time. So I think with Darkest Hour, they are a band that you you kind of know that you're going to get something really great every time from them. I, I just don't see how you could be let down with a Darkest Hour uh, record. So uh, it was really cool kind of getting to uh, talk to Mike, kind of bullshitting with him a little bit about Doc and Doc's lotions and potions. Uh, that was really funny. Thank you, Doc, uh, for the little heads up on a, a way to help break the ice. Um, that's something I like to do, actually. If I know someone knows somebody, uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll kind of try to uh, pick their brain and be like, oh, what's a, what's a funny thing I can bring up real quick just to kind of help break the ice and, and get someone comfortable with me. Um, so whenever I can do that, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and I'll actually, that'll kind of come into play in the chat I do with Tim from Asley Dying. Um, there is a special guest basically throughout the whole episode uh, that joined us and I think really took that episode to a, another level of uh, 
you know, kind of getting to know Tim, uh, kind of some background stories uh, from touring and so forth. So uh, very much looking forward to getting that out. And honestly, I don't really want to take up too much of your time because as of when I'm recording this, it is Valentine's Day and I would like to go hang out with my wife, but I want to get this done so that way I can have it ready for all of you. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Mike and I'll talk to you all on the other side of it. So there we're going. Um, thanks for doing this on my lunch break. <laughs> All right. No problem, dude. Thanks for having me on the show slash video. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so I know we only got like a limited amount of time because you're kind of in press junket uh, mode right now. Man, it's uh, crazy. I don't know what's going on. No, it's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Well, I wanted to start something off because uh, I was texting with Doc Coyle the other day, and uh, Ooh, we were talking hour. about Darkest Hour, and so I was like, oh, I know obviously you have connections to the guys. Uh, is there something fun or funny you want me to bring up to kind of be in like an icebreaker? And he said to uh, to ask him about Doc Coyle's lotions and potions. Oh, I knew he was going to say that. Man, <laughs> the man is the, the, man is the nicest smelling and mm. looking and he's just well moisturized because, uh, okay, I should back up because, you know, this is Doc Coyle we're talking about. Uh, if you don't know, he's a legendary metalcore guitarist who's played in all your favorite bands from Bad Wolves, the God Forbid, to, you know, uh, heavy, heavy Metal Jam Night with Metallica dudes on Instagram. You know, he's done it all. Uh, he, he has his own T-shirt of hate comments, <laughs> you know. Um, but he also filled in for Darkest Hour, and he was a really – great dude to have around he had a lot of awesome energy he fit right in and uh the only thing that he did different than any of us is that he was really into the way he smelled and mm. how clean he was and uh we like to <laughs> hang out by the dumpster and you know we're those type of dudes so <laughs> it was a nice combination and it was really inspiring to have someone around who is clean and could <laughs> smell nice and was like totally nicely shaven it just really like it helped us up our game a little bit you know and if uh as a dude who never shuts up if you could imagine <laughs> the dudes in my band being punished by me and him together that's what happened yeah you know what i think doc got put it through his paces though when he had to uh fill in for ice nine and had to dress up in the suits and the sunglasses and all that stuff so he kind of got man, a different end of it <laughs> years later he's a He's a rock and roll commando, so he's built for anything, dude. He is. He's like the uh, what is it, the Swiss Army knife. He's just a utility type person. Put him in somewhere, and he'll figure out how to survive. The Bo Jackson of metalcore. Ooh, do you think he could break a bat though? Do you think he could break a guitar over his knee? Oh, no problem. No problem. <laughs> Have you seen the dude's guns? Have you Not seen Doc Coyle's guns? Well, they were under yeah. that uh, the suit. They were under the suit. Uh, exactly. Thing. So you know he, he had to he had to conceal them. Conceal that weapon. <laughs> Um, what I say, man, uh, new record, you know, that I just got it a couple of days ago, but, uh, it's really fucking good. Um, oh, and it, it sounds like such a shitty backhanded compliment to kind of thing to say where you're like, it's really good. It's like, well, I'd fucking hope 20 something years into a career, like all these albums that we, we kind of know what we're doing. But I think, you know, in this, this 
it's interesting because I feel like a lot of bands, so many records in, would would kind of be like, this is where we just kind of cruise through our, our, you know, maybe we'll put out a couple EPs and we'll just rest on our laurels of what we've done versus what we are doing. So I guess kind of talk about that like what what at this point into a career still keeps you motivated to kind of outdo yourself versus kind of just sitting on your hands and being like yeah, we're, we're good oh well the quick answer of that is the people that listen to the music and specifically the people that come to the live concerts mm. but to uh, back up um you know after we put out our last record godless prophets and my flora we kind of felt like that was sort of a mic drop moment i mean i'm not gonna lie we love that record it was a complete statement. It kind of was like, at that point, we were going to make singles, mm. do, do the internet game. You know, we had a, we started this Patreon where we have a subscription service. Maybe we're going to put them out one time at a day, you know. And then the pandemic hit. We had to reevaluate what everything was about. <laughs> and by the time we started touring again, it was to celebrate the Deliver Us album. Had an anniversary. And that was a great way to just get back out and connect with people. And I'm telling you, after those shows, we were like, oh, we're an album band. Everybody else in that crowd is just like us, and they want a record. We want to make a record. Let's go. We got so many ideas. And then it was like wildfire. But, uh, again, it was a long time between the last record and now, and I think the the main push, the main uh, motivation was that energy that we get from people that we meet specifically when they're at the shows and you get to talk to people, hear their darkest hour story, do a shot with them, take a picture with them, whatever, you know, I mean, we're not afraid of people that like the music and like our band. And so we like to actually interact and I don't know, you know, that was the greatest motivator to make and complete this record. I mean, to make the record, we're addicted to, to music and we love this nonstop, but to complete and release and do this whole dance that this is for the people <laughs> that enjoy it. You know, I would, you know, it's interesting. I, I feel like we are at this like pivot point of sorts in the industry where you see so many people, like you look at something like fall in reverse, like they're just dropping a single. You might get three a year or maybe one every half, yeah. half a year or whatever. And they're still able to kind of, tour around that and it's kind of interesting because it's it's going back to how like the 30s 40s 50s were for the music industry where it's like you have an a side and a b side if the a side's so strong that number like that single you could just tour on it until the next one was coming out and it took you know the 60s 70s kind of 80s where it became about a full record now and it's kind of interesting because i feel like we're straddling the line of like where we were and we where we were going and I feel like, you know, it's kind of divided into two camps like yourself where it's like, no, it's about a full record and we're going to take the time to put in the effort and energy into creating something that's a full album listening experience for those that want it versus the a la carte version that so many people in the industry are kind of shifting to now. I mean, I, I think like, I mean, for sure, uh, this love for the album format, you know, that definitely separates us from every other person trying to do music you know on the internet or as an artist right now <laughs> but i do think that the one thing we've learned over the course of the 30-year experience of this band and also that's encapsulated in some of the themes of this record is that that you know there's really no pattern and there really is are no rules here like this shit is just everything goes and and really like trying to to, to figure out like 
you know, what's the next cool new wave? <laughs> I mean, that is really not the right approach. For, I mean, and especially for us, the approach was figuring out like, who are we, where, what do we fit in and what are we about, you know? And we're still a band that has like five people in it. One dude plays bass, one guy plays drums, two guys play guitar, one guy sings kind of thing. And we have a little bit of production at the show, but it's pretty straightforward. And I think that a lot of that pulls into everything, just like our love for vinyl records in the age of the MP3. But we also embrace modernism, you know, like we have a Patreon, we've crowdfunded a record, you know, we make lots of music videos and do lots of content online. So I think we're just, again, taken from a page from Doc Coyle's book and we're just rock and roll <laughs> commandos. We're out here, we love this so much, we're gonna get in people's faces and now here I am on your iPhone or whatever you're watching this on, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's always interesting too, uh, how people consume media now. I mean, like I just literally, while I was working before doing this, you know, I was listening to a, a Sirius XM on my phone now that I realize I can do that. And you know, I have it, on a station that like, I'm like, holy shit, this is tailor made for me, but it's just like nineties and two thousands R and B and hip hop. So to me, I mean, like, I get, it's like perfect for me. Like, that, that's not even, it gets crazier. Like talk about the way people consume music. Talk about making album mixes where oh, like yeah. this guy wants to have an iPhone hooked up <laughs> in the control room where he can just link it to the iPhone and just crank it off the iPhone. So everybody can hear it in the room off the iPhone because you know, now a lot of people, this is how they listen to music. Just yeah. like this thing, no, uh, you know, a Bluetooth speaker, no nothing. So mix it for that. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's insane. Well, so you, you know, you do have to mix for your format, but at the same time, what, what focuses us in is love for records, love for jamming the record in your car. You well, I was going to say, mean? why is the, the, why is the car test always the best way that that record's going to sound? You can uh, have well, like the best, the, cars, the best yeah, stuff. I, it, let Go me ahead. Say something. The car test is deceiving, uh, especially my car. It will <laughs> add a lot. It adds like a lot of compression and okay. low end and loudness as you turn it up. Some cars do this to cancel noise. You know, I don't know. I found that the car test really it's it's not as accurate as people think. I mean, I think the 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 truth about the car test is if you're always listening to music in your car that's where you should try to reference your music. You know what mm. I mean? Because you're used to hearing music there. But I find whenever I give people mixes or whatever we audition misses, and when we were mixing this record, you know, I put it in my car, I crank it all the way up and be like, oh, fuck, it's a little bit bassy. It's super loud. I mean, mm. this record was mixed super loud. But then I get inside and play it here in the studio, be like, oh, this shit sounds amazing. <laughs> Why does it sound so fucking crazy? And I don't know. So I don't know. I warn against the car test. That's all I'm saying. But my You're, shit does sound good in the car. I was <laughs> saying you you might be one of the first that's kind of. I'm not saying disqualified the car test, but no. Like uh, Andrew from uh, Ghost Inside had sent me some uh, some solo stuff he was working on a long time ago, and I was coming back home from working at the bar, and I threw it on and I sent him a thing. I was like doing the car test, like, and he was like there is nothing better or cooler than like when you get your song, it's all done. And then you take it for literally for a spin. And he's like, yeah. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. It's like one of the best feelings ever. Like, oh, 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 oh it is unless it's wrong. <laughs> 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 but also I, 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 I don't disagree. Like I'm not saying I don't do it. Right. I'm just, I'm just warning people that it can lead you down a dangerous road. If that's where you think your reference room is, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Something, you know, you kind of were just talking, you know, obviously 
getting reinvigorated. Uh, we're going to it had a formula and a plan for how the band was going to move forward. Something I kind of like to ask, you know, a lot of bands, especially now that collectively we've all had a stopping point of like my life for everybody, literally regardless of profession, kind of came to a standstill and kind of makes you reevaluate your life, where you want to be or what you want to do and so forth. But I always kind of like asking the question of what did you learn about yourself? So to me, obviously being the band is all you've known and you had a little bit of time away from it, even if you're still writing and everything, but like the big part of how you exist in a band was gone. What did you learn about yourself in that process? Well, I mean, a lot of the struggle of trying to do a band for 30 years is trying to figure out like who who you are. A lot of people have a hard time with the duality. Like, am I this person that's on tour or am I this person that's at home? You know what I mean? Or, or am I both? Because like you need to be a little bit more savage out there on the road than you do need to be at home taking care of your eight-year-old. You know what I mean? So I think that people struggle with this. A lot of people who leave uh, the band life and go into, you know, regular world struggle with this. A lot of people who stay in band life too long and don't balance their any kind of home life, they fall into another category of people that are in, you know, sometimes in, in peril. So I think that for me, this trying to balance that has always been a struggle, but also been something that I've focused on because like I want to do this for a living, but I also want to be a regular person, you know, have a wife and a kid and whatever. And I think that the, the biggest thing I learned, although it was fucking hard, is that I can exist, you know, like I can find things. I found new hobbies. I can find interests like this doesn't have to like completely define me, mm. you know. But at the same time, I also love this so much that I'm right back at it, won't give up on it and have learned to love a lot of the details that used to be a little bit frustrating because of that perspective. So I think that while part of it is learning that you can exist without this, it's also learning that, you know, you still love it. And I think that's a freeing place because you're not chained to it. You're choosing to be there even when it's hard. And I think that says a lot about like your mental, your, your, your mental state when you're doing it. And I think, uh, that pause brought me that kind of perspective, if you will. I think it's interesting. I had a, a sort of epiphany many years ago, and then I kind of put it through the lens of like band people, where it's like, you know, me doing this for, you know, 400 plus episodes and seven plus years, it's like I have friends who will sporadically go through and cherry pick episodes and then text me about something like I'm still having the conversation. And so like, it's a thing where I'm like, were, were we having a conversation like through text that I just, I blanked out on. And, and it's like, Oh no, I was listening to this and it made me think of, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, okay, well let me put myself back into a conversation I had five years ago and see if I can remember where I was or what I was thinking. And that was kind of the light bulb moment of like, we do the same thing to a lot of artists where it's like, whatever you're going through right now is tentatively what will inspire the next thing that you're going to write. But then by the time you write, record, and all that stuff, and it's done, that could be six months to two years down the line. And then now you're here having to relive the thing 
and presumably will for the touring cycle. So you don't really ever exist in a present or a past or a future. You're kind of traversing all three at the same time. And it's a very weird space to be, I think, uh, for, for an artist where it's like, I don't exist really in any one thing. So how do I exist for myself? Well, uh, this is something that we kind of talk about sometimes where <laughs> if you meet, maybe you want to write a song that's kind of more of a political statement. But by the time that shit gets done, news travels so fast now. Yeah. Uh, and I have friends that do that and struggle with that. And I think that there is something to be said for the the time. I, w- I was actually thinking uh, our newest single, Societal Bile, the music video came out like January 8th. And mm-hmm. I remember we like went into the studio at the beginning of January to start recording that stuff and remember rehearsing it around that time and i was like wow that song and a year ago we were recording it and i was like well fuck like two years ago i was writing it damn you know but i think it just it kind of works as a a funnel to make all the ideas you're working with really have to fit in a place where you're okay with them being eternal you Mm. know what i mean and another strange thing about it is that time is compressed so now all these ideas and things we've said on the past records, people digest them all at one time so that the order that they came out, the order that we said things, everything's blurred. And even like the track listings of albums are fucked up on some of these <laughs> streaming places. Everything has changed. The perspective has changed of what you're saying. So I think as an artist, you just have to just live forward. <laughs> just live moving constantly forward with your head down and not look back not doing it. just forward until you fall over kind of thing well you kind of bring up something that's interesting to me you know when bands put out when bands put out a record and obviously pay a lot of attention to a track listing but more importantly when it's there's a sort of a concept or a theme and why the story is being told the way it is and then it's like okay we need a single for it and then i'm like how the fuck do you pick a single when it's only a piece of the whole story. Like, I've always thought that was a very hard thing to do. It it is, but on this record, it wasn't. You know, the first single was easy because the first song uh, touched on the themes of the whole record, you know, was like a Darkest Hour album in a song, was exactly who we are. So we're like, boom. And then the second single we put out, that was easy too, because we were like, you know what? We want people to experience feel this in the order that we're making it so boom here's the next song you know and by the time the third single comes out all the music will be out so people are going to be able to cut it up and make your playlist and put it in any order you want you know what i mean but i like to listen to albums in the order that they are and think about what the artist meant by that too because i spend so much time thinking about it so um on this album the single selection and the out to track listing they sort of just did it themselves and it, and it was nice and i do understand having a hard time deciding what song is going to be a single out of all your babies but on this album a lot of that stuff's been easy and i think when that happens you really feels like you're like all right this is right you know well i would imagine at this point you know decades into a career like there's sort of the understanding of and because i kind of notice it more as just getting older like you know getting ready to turn 40 this year it's like okay, sometimes I just know to trust my gut on something. Like, how I feel, it's like, I've been in a situation like this enough times, and if I don't follow my gut instinct, a lot of times I'll go, fuck, I should have followed my gut instinct. 
so you have kind of that that ability to pull from those experiences and i feel like maybe the fact of picking singles is so easy because you're just following your gut and it just like you said it feels right like you just know to follow that feeling I'm, I don't feel that many of the singles we've chosen in the past were mistakes, but I think we have made a lot of missteps as a band in 30 years. Anybody who does anything like this where there's no rule book and there's a constantly changing playing field is going to do that. But we have gotten to a really good place where we realize a few truths, which are like, one, we're fucking in control. Fuck everybody else. Like We've self-managed the band and we make the decisions now. Two, the most important people are the people that, like I said, are coming to the concerts, are actually interacting with us, th- listening to the music, who like the band. Th- those are the people that are our are, are base first, you know what I mean? And three, we're going to keep taking chances regardless because part of what keeps this thing alive and it being, you know what I mean, a thing that matters is that it is an organism that continues to grow. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that even on this record, even though you have a lot of this is darkest hour shit we've done, shit we've learned through, we learn from, we still aren't afraid to take some beatings and try some things. And mm. who knows, maybe like three records from now, big, like, yeah, we were still fucking making mistakes. But the <laughs> thing is, you don't do anything new without trying anything new. So, well, I mean, we have they some say really that fresh stuff on the album, you know. As I say, they say that's where growth happens is kind of in the uncomfortableness of of things and trying and experimenting. <laughs> And we're not done yet, man. That's why I'm telling people check this album out. I, uh, this is always, someone called me out on this, uh, somewhat recently because notoriously I've said, like, my wife and I are not going to have kids. We don't want kids. But I find it interesting, again, kind of looking at life through a lot of different perspectives and just kind of figuring it out. I do think that there's something really interesting about watching kids kind of come into their own and, and the way that their brains work because they're not. You know, they don't necessarily know to lie. They'll be very honest and upfront about things and so forth. And, you know, those that have kids, I often wonder, do you find that your sense of wonderment and, you know, excitement about things gets reinvigorated because you get to kind of experience life again through new eyes? Oh, man. I mean, I think there's so many things that happen to you emotionally as a parent that change your perspective on everything, you know, that... I mean, of course, that, but that's just one, like, tip of the iceberg, you know. I think having a, a daughter has changed my perspective on the world. I think that if I had a son, it would change my perspective uh, on, on everything on being a parent, you know, and things that they're going through. And I also think that, um, you know, where we live, you know, affects my perspective on things, you know, too. And I think that uh, the environment that we've chosen to live in, like, we love our community here and i think it's a great place like to have a kid and be able to kind of evolve into a person that is a, a parent i mean for me it's like how do you go from being someone who will fall out of a tour bus scream fire it up right before you're supposed to play after doing three shots of jack daniels but also be in charge you know what i mean take help shepherd this young beautiful person into the world you know what i mean and that duality is really hard but i've been thankful for my daughter and my wife like and my cat my whole family (laughs) for you know making me be a real person you know what i mean and uh just being the balance that i need to be able to be that foundation to be able to just be able to spend my time on this 
little art project, you know, thing that we love called Darkest Hour. It's like just a heavy metal band, you know? And I think that uh, without my family and without the perspective of being a parent, I definitely wouldn't be still in the game and able to be able to do a band and put out an album, this fire and everything. If it wasn't for that, you know what I mean? That gift of perspective of parentum, you know, <laughs> parentum. <laughs> that's a good word. Um, yeah, I just, I, I always find it interesting, especially, you know, a lot of people, I think that are in your position, like, you know, someone like Brian fair, when I had him on, his kids weren't old enough. Like the band was already done by the time. Oh, my he, kids growing up at, this is my house. You're yeah. looking at, you know, so my kids growing up above this whole thing, above band practice, people here all all hours of the night coming in, cars all parked up down the street. You know what I mean? The whole band staying here before the tour, the whole band coming here at the end of the tour, everybody's stuff all over the front yard. You know, I mean, using backdrops from old tours to rake your leaves. That's hilarious. <laughs> thing. Like. You take an old tour backdrop that's 20 feet and you rake all your leaves in it and carry it to the front of the yard and get picked up. I mean, that's a real experience for her, like growing <laughs> up in a rock star family. You know, uh, she's she's been through uh, kind of a, I don't know, I, I don't, I think it's crazy, but my wife is be like, it's totally normal, but just growing up like uh, around this whole madness is, is, is hilarious, but she's a straight A student and amazing. Mm. And uh, she just came up with the title for our new uh, ice cream that we're going to be unleashing that's involved with the album. And she's really good at puns. And she's one the one that was like, Dad, have you ever heard of YouTube shorts? You know what I mean? So she's on the forefront of social media. So having a kid is definitely, you know, the perspective. But also now she's almost my social media manager. So watch out. Well, if she ends up doing really well, I, I might have to poach her and give her a side gig for me, too, because I hate doing all that stuff. Yeah, no, fuck that. No jobs in social media. Yeah. This, uh, From a person who's on it all the time right now. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I, I constantly say, like, either if I could... I don't make a ton of money doing this. Sounds like being in a band. But it's like, I also don't want to do these things, but I know that the thing can't grow if I don't play the game, and I'm just like, this is such fucking bullshit, and I just really wish I could disappear and uh, not not have to deal with any of it because i just i i hate it <laughs> well we're we're on it now so i'm gonna use that time to tell everybody <laughs> check out our fucking album it has these songs on it that we actually spent time making that you could just turn this computer off and just go listen to Absolutely. or use this computer to actually listen to and not look at stuff it's awesome music is crazy awesome it is i'm uh i'm hoping to make it out to detroit you guys are playing at the sanctuary i was just there oh you uh, better last dude. weekend so I'm gonna try to make it out. You're you're on a work day, and it's a couple hours away from where I'm at What's in Grand that? Rapids. But yeah, <laughs> it's where I'm literally at right now. So everyone can see part of what I do for my job. Um, well, tell those people, come in. Detroit is always popping. Plus, yeah. this is it, man. This is this is your thing. You're like, uh, it's a work night. You know, I don't know. I've got some buckets to paint or whatever you do. And screen printing. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah. And I'm saying, yo, but this is Darkest Hour headlining, dude. What yeah. are you going to wait till we come through next time and play a 20 minute set and then meet you at the bar? This is the chance to hear all the deep cuts <laughs> plus all the new shit. So that's why I'm telling people come to this party. Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll have to figure it out. I have. 
Actually, one of Brian Adams, I, my Brian Adams concert just got canceled, so I guess I have the funds now. Fuck. Go do that. I know. I was so, so We recorded for that two show. records at his studio. Oh, no, one record at his studio. Oh, really? Vancouver. Deliver Us. The drums were recorded at Brian Adams' studio. That's anyway, awesome. just saying. Did you get to meet him? No. Oh. Well, not I- even close. <laughs> not even close. No, he's got hits. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, dude, he's got, all the, he's got all the hits. Yeah, all the hits. All the hits. But if you um, can't go to his concert, you might as well come to a Darkest Hour one. Is what I'm there saying. you go. Well, I'll look forward to seeing you guys in, I think it's about two, three weeks, maybe? Maybe a month? I can't remember. Nah, it's probably a little bit over a month because the tour starts in a little bit less than a month. And we got to oh. go before we get up to you guys. Uh, fair enough. I, everything just is a blur of dates and all this shit after a while for me. <laughs> well, I'm here to promote it, so I'm telling you, there it you starts go. February Absolutely. 29th and it ends April 6th. So get on the Google and figure it out. There you go. Well, USA thank you so much. Canada. Thank you so much for the sake of the time. Looking forward to uh, catch, maybe ripping a couple shots in about a month or a little Fuck over. Yeah. Uh, Jack Daniels. Same. Or, or higher, but we will take rail. Yeah. We're not that picky. If you find us at the end, just saying. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to make notes, add it on. <laughs> Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Cheers, man. Party on. So that was my brief conversation with Mike. I uh, would love to have him back on eventually and, and maybe go a little bit further. Uh, seems like someone that could you know, easily talk for another 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes uh, and get kind of a longer episode out of him and just kind of shooting the shit. And Honestly, as uh, my wife and I this past weekend were uh, raking up some leaves because it has been unseasonably nice uh, here in Michigan uh, to where you can wear shorts and, and a t- you know, a tank top and, and do some yard work uh, in February, which never fucking happens. Um, but global warming be damned. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I had a, a quick thought to myself as we were raking up some leaves and just thinking about Mike using <laughs> stage-juiced uh, banners to <laughs> transport leaves. <laughs> Uh, I just, I mean, it, it, it's, I guess it's all in what you know. Like if that's just your every day, then I suppose it's not that weird for me though. I feel like I would, I would like a photo uh, or a video, uh, of Mike and his kid, uh, <laughs> taking care of the leaves with, uh, with banners and so forth being used. And also I wonder just what it looks like to, you know, from a neighbor's perspective where you're just like, Oh, okay. Like weird. <laughs> just undoing this massive backdrop. Um, but Hey man, I mean, you paid for it and it obviously, uh, would just be sitting around doing nothing anyway. So why spend the money on a tarp? I totally get it. Maybe, maybe that's sort of the keys, uh, to darkest hour success is, uh, reinvesting the things that they've already paid for (laughs) previously to help, uh, to help cut down on some outside of band costs. Um, would be a thing too. I wonder if, uh, if someone would probably, I feel like someone would buy, you know, a stage used and I guess leaf carrying uh, stage banner um, with them to uh, to have in their house. Those things are fucking massive, though. I remember somebody got one and I think it was the Acacia Strain a couple years ago, I think during COVID, uh, was selling some to help raise money for, for various uh, people in their touring crew and so forth, I believe. And I remember someone was just like, yeah, I can't wait to get this. And then I think they posted a a photo of how big it was. And it's like, yeah, dude, like I think most people don't realize or forget that it's like the whole point of those those backdrops is like they're supposed to be able to be seen from far away. And a lot of times they're at least as wide as a stage, if not bigger. And they're massively huge uh, in, you know, in length. Um, So it's one of those things where sometimes I think people think they're going to be like, oh, I can just put it on this wall. And you're like yeah, one wall and maybe a whole nother part of another one. 
Um, <laughs> but it still would be a cool keepsake to have uh, if you're really big into that. So um, all that said, let's start wrapping up this episode. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Darkest Hour, you can find them on Facebook at Darkest Hour Dudes, Instagram at Darkest underscore Hour underscore Official, and Twitter is at Darkest Hour Rock. If you would like to keep up with Mike, you can find him on Instagram at The Rift Dojo. I didn't find anything for him on Twitter. Um, so if he has one and I just didn't find it, apologies, but, uh, it seems like Instagram's kind of where most people are, are really active, uh, outside of a handful of people like myself. Um, speaking of myself, if you would like to keep up with the podcast, you can find it simple enough at Bruce speak pod on all your major, uh, social media platforms. Uh, even the ones that I'm not really using anymore, like TikTok, I'm sure that page still exists and you can see that I'm not doing anything with it. So there's that. Uh, if you would like to keep up with e- emailing me, you can do that at brutallyspeaking at gmail.com. Keep the conversation going from an episode. Let me know what you think of an episode, future guest ideas, so on and so forth. Uh, you can do that there. And rating, review, and subscribing, you know why that's important. Everyone talks about it all the time. Uh, greatly appreciated for anyone who takes the time to do such. Uh, I've been definitely seeing uh, an outpouring of new people who are checking out some episodes. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Wes, I believe, that reached out and was talking about uh, taking me on the Wayback Machine, uh, the episodes I did with uh, Fallon from formerly of Kitty, uh, talking about uh, the running through the Deftones discography. Uh, it was kind of a, an interesting thing where you know some of those comments and ideas and so forth uh, were so old and it was so long ago, I kind of forgot what I had said. So uh, it was kind of nice to see people digging way, way, way back uh, into the show, as well as just getting into the show in general uh, through word of mouth. So Huge thanks for all the support as of recent. Uh, and speaking of support, uh, I want to give thanks and support to Rockabilia. Head on over to rockabilia.com. Uh, I think the code is still not working. Um, it should be brutally, and you should be able to get 10% off your total purchase order. Um, so if you don't, let me know. Uh, someone reached out to me a little bit ago and said that the code wasn't working. And I reached out to Franking them, and I haven't checked to see if it is or if that has been resolved. But uh, either way, uh, go support them for supporting us. Uh, they're doing a lot of crazy stuff. Like right now, they just did a collab with Ice Nine Ghost, uh, Sleep Token, and A Perfect Circle. They did uh, exclusive lava lamps for all four of those bands, uh, which I thought was a really unique, interesting idea. Everything's kind of colored uh, specific to the band, so kind of interesting, obviously, uh, doing things like that. But, I mean, just a, a great company that are progressing uh, and doing so many things with uh, established bands, newer up-and-coming bands, uh, and just kind of getting really fun and creative with a lot of the products they're doing, aside from just, here's a t-shirt, here's, you know, a sticker or patch or whatever, which they have all those things too, but uh, go check them out and support them for supporting us. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I will see you all next week where we have a returning Drew and Fox from See You Next Tuesday. We did that one in person before their show here at the Peterman Scheme. That was a lot of fun. I will see you all next week with that. Enjoy your Valentine's Day. Have a great rest of your week.